Thank you so much, choir. One of those moments when you feel like saying to the Lord, Lord, we can go home now. We're ready. Our reading, second reading this evening, we've had the first reading from Psalm 40. Our New Testament reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2. The, the readings are connected. Colin wanted both these readings, and we're going to look at both these passages uh, together shortly. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Let's hear the Word of God. Peter writes, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For as it stands in Scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want you to turn back, keep your finger there, and turn back to that psalm that we read. And one of the one of the things that the church has taught us over the years, that is the church Catholic, the church universal, is that when we're reading the Psalms, when we're reading any section of Scripture, we need to ask ourselves, who is doing the talking here? So we read Psalm 40 and we ask, who is doing the talking here? And in this particular case, we get some help. Our help is the writer to the Hebrews. We can't identify him so we can't name him, name him so that he gets the credit. But uh, the writer to the Hebrews quotes from Psalm 40 and tells us who the speaker is. And this is what the, the writer to Hebrews says in chapter 10. When Christ came into the world, when, as he's coming into the world at his incarnation, he said quoting from Psalm 40, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and in sin offerings you have no pleasure. Then I said, 
Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me. Going back to chapter 40. Who is the speaker? Well, the speaker is our Lord Jesus Christ. We come across him at the beginning of the psalm, and he is in the depths. He's in the pit of destruction. He's locked in to the experience of burial, death, dead, burial, buried, we say in our, in our creed. Crucified, dead, buried. Here he is in the pit of destruction. Having come into the world to take our sins upon himself, having borne our sins in his own flesh upon the tree, having been exposed to the wage of sin, which is death itself, and having taken the death of all of us and all of his people right throughout human history, here he is in the depths, and he's giving his testimony. He waited patiently. He took this all on the chin, as it were. He took our place, and he he went as far as it would go in order that he might redeem us. He did not turn and rain down fire and judgment on those who had nailed him to the tree. I waited patiently. And now the day of resurrection has come. And as he emerges from the the grave, he speaks about this new song that the Father has put into his mouth, a song of praise to our God. And he makes a prophecy. Many will hear, will see and fear, and put their trust in the Lord. And he preaches the gospel to us. Blessed is the man or woman who makes the Lord their trust and does not turn to the proud and those who go after a lie. And then he, in conversation with his father, he turns to the father. You have multiplied, O Lord my God. He's speaking out of his human nature. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them even though there are more than can be told. So he's going to tell us about the amazing things that he has done. And so we come to the verse that's quoted in Hebrews 10. Here is Jesus coming into the world, we're told in chapter 10 of Hebrews. And he's saying to the Father in sacrifice and offering, you've not delighted. But you have dug me ears. In other words, he's referring to the preparation of the body that he would take upon himself at the incarnation. Uh, The oldest and the best Hebrew reads like this, ears you have dug for me. It's as if God's taken the raw material and he has created everything of the the human body of, of the Savior, including the ears. The ears represent everything else of that human body. God has prepared this for him. And he says, behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It's written about me. Come to do your will. Not my will, but your will, O my God. Your law is written in my heart. Jesus, the great law giver, Sermon on the Mount, the great teacher of the law to his people. He's the one who teaches us that the law is not only external, it's internal. It's not only what you do, it's what you want. He is the great teacher of the law. And he goes on to tell the glad news of the deliverance in the great congregation to all his people. Every time we come in the Lord's day, the day of resurrection, the Lord Jesus is speaking to us and telling us the good news about his resurrection. His resurrection is our only hope. His resurrection is our salvation. He was raised for our justification. 
The resurrection is the goal towards which his death, burial pointed. The resurrection is God's amen to all that Jesus has done. To his cry, it is finished. The Father's amen is in him, raising him from the dead. And he raises him from the dead so that we have good news. We have good news of eternal life. We point to the life of Jesus. We point to the life that was spilt, the blood that was spilt, and the life that was lost upon that tree. And now that life has been taken back again. Jesus' resurrection is the only, is the only pointer to anything after death. It is the only ground for any hope we have of life after death, which is why it's told so carefully in the Scriptures, why so many people were eyewitnesses of His resurrection, because it's the goal of His life and our salvation. Our Lord Jesus came in, and He leads the way in singing a new song, a song of salvation that has never been sung before. It's brand new. But guess what? Jesus' people get to sing it with Jesus. We read from 1 Peter, and that passage in 1 Peter uh, draws our attention to Jesus again. I'm laying in Zion a stone. He, Jesus is the cornerstone. The one that the builders rejected has become uh, the, the cornerstone of the building, although Jesus also causes people to stumble and fall and, and people are damned. But then you come to these words. Peter is addressing the church. He's addressing us. He uses language from the Old Testament, language which is used only with respect to corporate worship. As you come to him. It's the coming, the regular coming, Lord's Day by Lord's Day. As you come into church, as you come before God, as you come to call upon his name, as you come to him, you come to Jesus And you, as God's people, come as to him the living stone who was rejected by men, but in the sight of God is chosen and precious. And we, we share with Jesus this new life that Jesus has. And we come to worship like living stones. When we're all together in church on the Lord's Day, we are We are ourselves the spiritual building in which God dwells by His Spirit. You're a brick, and you're a brick, and you're a stone, and I'm a stone. And in Britain, a stone is a measure of weight, by the way. Bizarre measure of weight. I still can't work it out. Pounds is so much easier, straightforward. So many pounds in a stone, I don't even remember what. So I would have to tell English people not to confuse the stone here. It's a real stone, a stone that causes stumbling and a rock of offense. And then he tells us about this new people, just as as an echo of Psalm 40, where Jesus himself is the worshiper, Jesus himself is the praiser. Here we have these living stones, a spiritual house, a royal priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God 
through Jesus Christ, what kind of sacrifices do we offer? We don't offer animal sacrifice. We don't offer the sacrifice of, uh, of the fee from the fields. What kind of sacrifice? We're going to be told here in verse 9, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. People were God's possession. And you are such so that you may do what Jesus does in Psalm 40, so that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What does Jesus do as he emerges from the grave? He sings this new song that God puts upon his mouth. He begins to praise God. He tells the glad news of his deliverance to the congregation. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't restrain his lips. He doesn't hide the deliverance he's experienced within his own heart. He wants to share it with you. He wants you to engage in it and enjoy it for yourself. He speaks to us of God's faithfulness, of the salvation that God has provided. He doesn't conceal the steadfast love of God and his faithfulness from you, the great congregation. And so, as God delivered him, so God delivers us. And as God put a heart for praise in the the heart of Jesus, in his human nature, so God, in delivering us, puts a heart for praise on our lips. You know, there's a great seen in the book of Revelation that echoes what we've just read. There we have Jesus talking about the body that he was to take, the body in which he was to suffer, the body that would be buried, the body that would be raised and delivered by the Father, the body that would be glorified as he ascends into heaven. In Revelation chapter 5, The people in heaven are wondering what's going on on earth. There's a great scroll that unfolds the history of the world as as it unfolds. And nobody in heaven, nobody in heaven or earth is found worthy. Nobody is worthy like God is worthy. Uh, The the songs have been all to God so far, and and, uh, the, the songs have all been saying to God from the people in heaven, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. And nobody like God, nobody like God, no one who is worthy can be found to open the scroll. And John is told there's one worthy. And this one who's worthy is the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He has conquered. He's emerged from the grave. He's alive forevermore. He can open the scroll and its books. And between the throne and the four living creatures, among the elders I saw, John writes, a lamb, the lamb of God, standing as if it had just been killed. But standing, it had been killed, but it's standing. He had been slain, but he's standing alive. He's risen from the dead. And there he stands. And the hosts of heaven do what? 
They do precisely what Jesus did when he rose from the dead and sang that new song. The hosts of heaven sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. I think the lesson of these passages is simply this, that people who know themselves to have been delivered by the risen, resurrected, ascended, glorified Lord Jesus, people who know that they've been brought from the pit as Jesus came out of the pit of his grave, brought from the pit to new life as Jesus came to life. As people who know him to be the Lamb of God who bore our sins in his own body on the cross, and as those who now know that he is glorified, he's exalted above all things. And as we think of him exalted there above all things, it draws out of us praise. Praise. We have to sing. We have to express this joy, this glory that is ours for all that our Lord, our dear Jesus, has done for us. This is a good theme for this evening. It is because Colin chose it. He didn't tell me what to preach, but he chose the passages. So there's a bit of manipulation going on there behind the scenes. But it was a good manipulation, wasn't it? Because this is what this man's about. This man's about us learning how to praise God back for all the great things he has done. All the great things he has done. And tonight as we consider all that Christ has done for us, this one who was buried and rose again, who's now ascended, gives us the opportunity tonight to sing his new song, that of the Lamb that was slain. Well, may God help you to feel like that this evening. And never, never give up belting out your praise to our Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your presence with us. And we pray for anyone who's here who doesn't know you, that you draw them to yourself. We pray in Jesus' strong name. Amen.